8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. At six minutes after eight, thanks for tuning into the Forum at Eight. And this morning we continue, um, you know, looking at some of the big moments of 2016. Uh, yesterday we looked at some of the political issues. This morning we're focusing on the sport and what were the moments that stood out for you. Uh, we're talking the 2016 sporting highlights. And let us know what are you most proud of or some of the things that happened uh, on our sporting arenas uh, over this past year. And uh, who can, of course, forget at the Rio Olympics this year, South Africa's Wade Fanica broke Michael Johnson's 400-meter world record, which had stood uh, since August 1999. And starting in lane eight, Fanica charged out of the blocks and held the lead from start to finish in the men's 400-meter final, shattering the world record to secure the gold medal in 43.03 seconds. So who's going to succumb to the adrenaline first? Van Niekerk is running blind on the outside and he's set off really quickly. Karani James in hot pursuit. He's already up onto the shoulder of Matthew Hudson-Smith. And Merritt is tracking the Grenadian. The American, LaShawn Merritt, closing the gap on Karani James. And Van Niekerk still wide on the outside. These three are away and clear. Sardinio's tried to come back into it on the inside. And LaShawn Merritt coming back at Karani James. But it's Van Niekerk leading at the moment. The South African now beginning to tire. Or is he? He's pulling away. It's an unbelievable victory by a huge margin. A century of history. And 43-0-3. I can't believe it. He has obliterated Michael Johnson's world record. It was destined to be one of the great races and one of the great days. We haven't even seen Usain Bolt yet. And this has ignited the stadium. Where did that performance come from? They could not even get level with him. And there's the line that he crossed in a time that nobody has ever done more quickly and more brilliantly. And the nation of South Africa will be rejoicing now. And then, of course, there was Mamalodi Sundowns flying the South African flag so high and winning the 2016 CAF Champions League, uh, beating Egyptian giant Zamalek. I'd like to thank everybody, you know, for, for really contributing this. Uh, but um, it has been a milestone. It was long overdue. Uh, Orlando Pirates has carried us and we copied them, as I said. And... Um, and this game, you should, you should win it at home. Uh, you can't come here and, and look for, for, for a result there, or look for a goal. You could see what happened. So it's a very, very big lesson. We're going to win the Champions League. We're going to win at home, and we won all our games at home. And then, of course, it wasn't only the ups, there were the downs as well. There were uh, the box and there was uh, Kaiser Chiefs, amongst others, and people still talking about what needs to happen uh, with regard to Steve Compella. And, of course, Bafana Bafana's head coach, uh, Sheikhs Mashaba, suspended with immediate effect by the South African Football Association, and that also got people talking. Sheikh Mashaba has been suspended with immediate effect by the South African Football Association. Mashaba will not join the team on their trip to Mozambique as SAFA has deemed it necessary to employ disciplinary measures after a regrettable incident at the Pino Macaba Stadium. According to a short statement released by SAFA, assistant coach Owen Dagama will take charge of the team in the international friendly match against Mozambique. SAFA says they will not be making any further comments on this matter. It is alleged that Mashaba criticized his employers, SAFA, after yesterday's win against Senegal in a 2018 World Cup qualifier in Polokwane, accusing them of a lack of support. And of course, many other sporting codes as well to talk about. There is, of course, cricket, there's swimming, there's golf, there's boxing and many others. So whatever you would like to talk about, we want to know from you this morning. What was your sporting highlight or perhaps lowlight of 2016? Which are the stories that got you talking? And joining us for the conversation this morning, our very own uh, sports journalist here at SAFM, Brad Brown. Uh, Good morning, Brad. Thanks for speaking to us this early. Good morning, Sakina. Nice to chat. And of course, Cass Naidu also joins us, uh, a colleague from one of our sister stations. Good morning, Cass. Morning, Sakina.
And uh, Bareng Batukotias, uh, Hugh, our sports editor at Sunday Times. Good morning to you. Good morning, Iris Sakina Samwanda. Good morning, Kev. Good morning, Fred. Good morning to the listeners. I couldn't resist there, BBK, but thanks so much to all of you this morning. So let me start with you. It's a great name. You must be like you, Grant. You know, great actors, great musicians. My mother, she chose a very good name. I'm glad you're making peace with that. matters uh, sport related Cass, I want to start with you uh, with the cricket and of course much talk around that you know new captains and lots of things going on there on and off the field so what have been your highlights uh, for the year as far as cricket is concerned well I think the biggest highlight would have to be uh, South Africa going off to Australia without AB de Villiers and with um, I'm not a fully fit Dale Stain, and uh, everyone expected them to struggle in Australia. And obviously with Fat Duplessis as standing captain, nobody really expected the utter domination of South Africa and Australia. And they come back with a, um, a third successive uh, test series when, uh, more importantly, to have young stars like Ahisa Rabada and Temba Bavuma and Quinton Bacot starring uh, in a land that uh, generally hates losing, I don't think we've had a better win over Australia in, in cricket uh, from a South African perspective. But for me, from a cricket perspective, what has been very um, exciting to watch is that cricket is dealing with its issues head on. It's dealing with transformation. It's dealing with administrative issues. And it's winning on the field. I may be mistaken, and DDK may have a different view here, but I think cricket is the standout sporting code in South Africa at the moment, taking responsibility when it can and when it matters. What's your view, BBK? They should. They should. They've been resisting. They've been doing things uh, in a kind of like knee-jerk reaction. Cricket South Africa has been kind of wanting to believe or make us all believe that they all was funky Tori. What, what I like is the fact that Kerr speaks about the younger players as well, and in particular, uh, uh, Quinton de Kock, and most importantly for me, uh, Bavuma as well as Rabada. And the, the reason there is very simple. Uh, you will have noticed that over the years, maybe over the last decade or so, uh, with this, uh, the, the Proteas, you would have found that there would have been what I call the stock fell, some brass cup of uh, senior players who were basically uh, uh, calling the shots in the team, especially during the time of uh, Miki Atta. And uh, as soon as that cabal for Elekopopeda had started to disintegrate and getting out of the team, you saw space being created, a space where there was uncertainty in terms of who is going to stand up and lead this team because a stream, a steady stream of youngsters had been coming through. And also, for more, even more important, you found that there are people who are going to continue telling us that there are those of us who do not belong in cricket, let alone in, 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 in the national team themselves. And to see uh, such great talent coming in, making no political statements, coming in to say, my name is Kakiso Ramada, my name is Tema Babuma, I'm a young South African, and I'm gifted. And on top of that, I am black, and it gives me a chance. I'm going to take it and use it exceedingly well. And how well have they shown? When you have an injury to a tail saying you don't worry anymore, you don't grow any gray hairs anymore because you know that uh, Arabada is going to come through and deliver. Uh, I think that the runner that Bavuma delivered and participated in it, Australia made people realize that, indeed, when you say dynamite like Jake, by Matlala and dynamite like above whom come in small packages, we can all sit in our and appreciate that. But cricket South Africa cannot continue resting on its laurels. We must be able to say all our sporting federations are going to make sure that those who participate in our sports in this country with the kind of people that we have are going to always feel that they are welcome and they're not being done favors and they're not going to be labeled by that uh, 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 disgusting uh, term uh, which uh, starts with the you know whichever. And then, uh, Brad, of course, the issue of the captaincy, uh, Faf Duplessis, and uh, today, of course, we are expecting that ICC decision uh, on his appeal. Talk to us about that. And, and, and do you believe that Faf Duplessis is the right guy for that position? It's an interesting question, and I think, I think there's a, a lot of debate around it. And I, I, obviously, a lot of people love A.B. de Villiers, and, and, and there's no doubting that A.B. is a, is a great player to A.B. de Villiers. Uh, Fuff is, is cool, calm and collected. Nothing seems to phase the guy. And, and I like that in a captain. If you look at, at some of the great sporting captains over the years, uh, it, it's been guys like that, guys who don't get flustered under pressure. And, and I think he's, he's, he's the right guy for the job. I've, there's also been a lot of debate around, is he, 
and he's playing well now, but over the years, he, he hasn't really secured his, his place in that spot as a, as a batter. And with, with the likes of, of an A.D. de Villiers fit, there was always conjecture, was there room for Fuff in the team as a, as a batter? But I think he's, he's stamped his authority on that test side now, and he's shown what he can do in, in Australia. I think he's a, he's a wonderful skipper, and, and he's, he's turned into a very, very good batsman. And, of course, that ICC uh, decision today, Cass, yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I mean, chances are that he could um, face a one-match ban, but I think it's more around principles and how this entire law around that uh, ball tampering has been handled over the years from an ICC perspective. So it kind of looks like CSA is willing to go the long haul. At the moment, there's a bit of a war between Dave Richardson and Harun Logat. Harun Logat, of course, being a former ICC CEO, so he would know the loopholes. He would also know when to push. So I was quite surprised when they appealed the decision, but at the same time, if you look at the kind of uh, player that Fox did you see, he's very much in your face, off and on the field. And I think perhaps South African cricket needs a skipper like this right now. Mm. He made a very interesting point the other day. He says, A.D. de Villiers is a better cricketer than me. He steps onto the field and he commands that respect. So I've got to try different things to get buy-in. I recently interviewed um, Kyle Abbott, and he said, we would do anything for Fuff Duplessis. He's that guy. He's that bloke who's your friend who, when he tosses you the ball, you want to get five wickets for him. If you look at Graham Smith and he had that in-your-face attitude, I think Fuff Duplessis is going to take us to another level. I often maintain that someone really must want to be captain to be captain. Hashim Amla and AB were asked at the last minute, would you do it? And they kind of helped out. But someone needs to put their hand up and want it. And I think Fuff Duplessis does want it. In fact, I said, I think AB and Fuff are going to have a glass of wine together. They're going to make a decision and see if they will announce it. It didn't quite happen that way. But I get a sense that from a PR perspective, they handled it in a way that suited both these characters. And AB, the kind of cricketer I know he is, if he knows there's something that's best for the team, he'll step aside. And this is the best-case decision. I wish other sporting federations would do this. I wish Adrian Strauss, had, when he said he was going to step down as Springbok captain, I wish he had stepped down immediately. I doubt we would have had that, as bad a season as we had if we had a decision like that. So South African sport needs stronger decision-makers, and I'm a big fast PPC fan. Mm. Well, let's move it along. Let's go to rugby. Uh, speaking of Strauss there, <laughs> I, I think it uh, segues quite neatly there because uh, let me read some of our messages coming from the listeners. Uh, this one from Spiwo says, the selection of an overrated Alistair Kutsia who turned out to be a mediocre coach. Uh, you know, uh, th- th- that was one of the stories for him. And of course, uh, it's been rough. It's been rough for Alistair Kutsia, BBK. Most definitely, and uh, I think that uh, that that very SMS that you've read is is, is part of the problem in, in the sense that we we are very quick and we are very harsh to to be judgmental to some sections of our population when they get this position. I'll cast your mind back to 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 Peter De Villiers when he when he got the job and things that were being said. And, and when you look at the stats, because the stats cannot lie, the numbers cannot lie. At that time, you would have seen that a Jake White and the Peter uh, De Villiers were actually on the same level in terms of their coaching abilities, things that they achieved before they got into the job of the Springboks. But you look at how Jay White was welcomed and you look at how it was with Peter De Villiers and you shake your hand in wonderment as to why is that happening. But we look at Alistair Coutier and we say it was a horrendous, horrendous beginning uh, to, to a tenure of four years. Uh, the, the Springboks uh, getting into a very rough patch Eight defeats in 12 tests again raised the worst SA record in a calendar year by any stretch of the imagination. And there was a cherry on top, not for us, but for the New Zealanders uh, who were able to, to beat them 57-15 in, in Durban. And that sort of like confirmed and, 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 and told us that the depths of problems in South African rugby do not begin and end with the coach. Those who know the game even better than me will tell you that even winning the 12-7 World Cup just put over the paper, over the cracks of what was beginning to show that South Africa was lagging behind. You look at situations like like for like, New Zealand versus South Africa. You look at the structures in a country like New Zealand, and it is no brainer why their players get to a situation where they are able to get into the national team, and there is no problem. It happens seamlessly because 
whatever happens at the franchise level is informing what happens at the senior level. So there is no uh, seizure, there is no situation where you find that this one player is not acquainted with the way that the other player is doing and the coaching. Everything is uniform. So South Africa has woken up to that realization now. You'll cast your mind back to a few weeks ago where there was this uh, rabbi in Daba in Cape Town. Some coaches decided to snub it for whatever reason, but those who were there uh, wanted to make sure that you will move forward. Alistair gets all the assistance, and that is going to get him moving forward. And, and also, I think we must not overlook the fact that after the disaster of the last World Cup, uh, with uh, Saru or South African Rapid trying to get another contract for a Henneke Mayer, who had dismally failed, who had insisted on getting the players who were no longer deserving to be in the squad, going for experience, even though experience was walking wounded. I mean, Jean de Villiers, the captain, didn't play for a long time and hoped them to the plane to go and be at the World Cup. And guess what happened? He broke down. He got another injury there. Your Victor Metzl, did they want to be there at all? Some of the problems that have been there have been part of the problem in terms of Alistair and his selection. He's persisted in trying to get players who are going to play in wrong positions and not playing in their rightful positions and those who have been on form, not been given a chance because he wanted to try and see if mm. he can push this thing further but you cannot give a man a job and do not allow him to select his own technical team but surely he needs to take some responsibility uh, for the results on the field of play if you i am not absolving him yes i'm taking this further saying that if we talk about being in transition as south african rugby how are you in transition with players like Strauss, like J.P. Peterson, like Brian Habana? What sort of transition is that supposed to be, Brad? Yeah, Sakina, I agree 100%. And I think Kaz raised an important point, particularly around Adrian Strauss, where when, when Alistair came in, and, and I, I agree that, that Alistair has, has been sort of thrown a hospital pass here. He's, he's inherited a system that was, was sick to start with. And uh, selecting someone like Strauss as your, your skipper, who then very early on in his tenure, decides he's, he's stepping down, was, I don't think, was, was a great decision. I, there was a lot of talk about rebuilding the Springboks team and, 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 and looking long-term. And, and we have to ask hard, serious questions. Are the likes of Adrian Strauss and uh, J.P. Peterson and Brian Abana going to be around for the next four years? Because if they aren't, why are they in that team? And, and I think those are important questions that need to be, need to be asked. And, and, and I hope that the, the, the changes that have been made recently with regard to the structures, I, I think what, what's happening in New Zealand is a, is a prime example, that if the structures are, are put in place, you, you can have this conveyor belt of players coming through that just step into to the, the national team seamlessly, as opposed to having all the franchises and unions working in, in isolation. They, they silos, and that's what they have been for the last the last 20 years in, in South Africa, and, and everybody's pulling in different directions. And, and it was highlighted this year, I think, big time with the likes of, of uh, the Lions, the way they played and, uh, and the type of rugby they were playing in, in super rugby, and the pressure that that was then put on, on Alistair Kutsia, where, where people were asking, why is he not playing like the Lions play? And, and the Cheetahs did something very similar in the Curry Cup. They were playing a, 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 a lovely style of rugby, and I think it, it was highlighted this year where, where the, the, the traditional, and I, and I put it in air quotes, the traditional strong rugby franchises like the, the, the Sharks and the, the Bulls and, and Western Province didn't shape. Stormers didn't shape in, in Super Rugby this mm. year. But a team like the Lions who, who have put a team together and, and they've, they've, they've stuck with a squad of players and, and believed in the systems that they were working towards, and, and they reaped the results this year. They, they won the Curry Cup in 2015, and, and they, they carried that form through to, to the 2016 Super Rugby season. So, yeah, I, I think we are moving in the right direction. I think the proof's going to be in the pudding. But unfortunately, the, the, the rot is set in, and it's going to take, a, it's going to take some time to, to sort this out. But uh, BBK makes a good point, um, Cass, in saying that Alistair Kutsia should be allowed to choose his own technical team. Yeah, he should, and that should have been the basic starting point, and I'm surprised that he actually agreed to go in. I mean, you know that, Sakina, if you worked into, walked into a work environment, you were given KPIs, and you don't have the team and the resources that you're required to deliver. In that very moment, Alistair Kutsia had a very important decision to make, and unfortunately, he agreed to the situation. But these are just symptoms of a larger problem in rugby. I'm sitting on the outside having worked within an administration of another sporting code, I know what unity looks like. 
And I also know when there are divisions. And to be honest with you, as a rugby fan, when I sit here, I don't feel like I'm part of a rugby family or a rugby community. So I think that rugby has a lot of grassroots work to do to gain support for one common vision. We don't even know what rugby's vision is. We know the vision of cricket is to make cricket a truly national sport of winners. And then you have a KFC mini cricket program, which goes right up to the top and you become a pro tier. And there's a great amount of work that's done to get all South Africans interested in playing cricket. And if you look at the current squad, you've got all races playing under one banner, and I haven't seen a more unified national team. So you can allow your coach to choose his own management, you can give him everything you want, but if your heart is not in the right place, rugby is not moving forward. Yes, I think 2016 has been one of the worst years for rugby from every respect, administration, governance, loss of sponsors. They've got so much work to do. It's easy to lay all the blame at Alistair's feet. Having said that, I feel as coach, Alistair needs to take responsibility for the results because that's your job. You're there to, to perform. The thing is, he can't even walk away from this because he loses. He, he left a very lucrative position in Japan to come out here and be the national coach. And so we don't have the money to buy him out of the contract. So we're in such a sticky situation. We're sporting coach, and you'll see that with Safa too. They probably can't let Sheikh Mashaba go because they've got to pay him out. Well, so are we making the right decisions in this? And in the end, are we keeping people because we can't afford to, to let them go? <laughs> Is that the case with Sheikh's PBK? Well, well, well. <laughs> we are listening. You know, you know, the thing is, Oprah Sheikh is one person that I've got time for. Anytime, any day, no matter who's around. For a simple fact that he's a very good servant of the game, starting from the days when he was playing, captaining both Orlando Pirates and Morocco Swallows, and to a point where he's gone to coach at junior national team levels and all of that. But the one thing I don't have time for when it comes to Brashix is his inability to check his mood, his inability to engage into some emotional intelligence. And I'll briefly explain. Should they fire him like it looks like they're going to do? Brashix should have been fired by Safa for the third time and for non-footballing reasons. If I say non-footballing reasons, again, it would not have been for the fact that Sheikh Mashaba failed to qualify for the 2017 Nations Cup because that does not complete the process, which is a twin mandate to say, take us to 2017 and also take us to 2018 Rugby World, I mean, uh, Soccer World Cup in Russia. Previously, he was fired, having qualified the team for the 2004 Nations Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Before that, he was fired for failing to get to a situation with his employers to say, we are bidding for the World Cup. We need to be able to play this high-profile match against England with the high-profile players that we have. Notwithstanding the problem that you as the coach may have with players, you need to get them into the team. Just for one game. All those things never happened, and Sheikhs keeps on getting fired by Safa, despite the fact that his record remains one of the best for any Bafana Bafana coach, and you know, we've had them from Cape to Cairo. Clive Parker beats him only because of the trophy that he delivered in 1996. Now, why is Sheikh Mashaba suspended? He gets suspended because context is king here. Let us go back to a point when Gordon Egerson was fired and the conversation that was going on in the country at that time. And it was the fact that you need a local coach. We need to continue getting our own coaches to take our teams because if you check history, it will tell you. Gold in 96, Clive Parker, local. Silver in um, Burkina Faso, Chomosono, local. And bronze uh, in Mali, uh, Trot Moloto. And then Carlos Kuros came, highly paid and all of that. What happened, we all know. Now, my challenge with Sheikhs is, you know that even from the very word go, it was not a universal decision for you to get the job amongst your employers, SAFA, the National Executive Committee, that is. And some members within SAFA push, and they, they win the day. They win the day that you cannot have a Carlos Cruz coming back here. Even uh, the late uh, Nigerian uh, coach, uh, Stephen Cash's name, was banned about as a potential candidate. And all that happened is Shakes got the job in the end. Now, if there are people who have not even, like, very warming up to you to getting this job, that includes a president of SAFA in the person of Danny Jordan, 
you, you know that if there are things that you do, you will be walking into traps. And I'm not saying anyone's working environment must be like a, a, a littered with, with mines so that they can walk with their, their tiptoes. But what happens is you know, you know that some among your bosses do not want you. And all you need to do is, given the fact that you have already failed on your first mandate of qualifying for the Nations Cup, you need to pull out all the stops for the World Cup. And he did. He beat Angola over two legs in the preliminary round. And then he went and played his first game against Burkina Faso and played a brilliant role. Bafana Bafana's inability to hold on to a lead, giving them up there, making the, 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 the concede the goal right at the death. And then in, in, in Puluguan, it was a very simple thing. They were waiting for him to fail, and they were waiting to fire him. Don't forget that there was a Twitter conversation that happened with a gentleman, I think, from Nigeria, who came out of the blue and said, he's just finished the conversation with Denis Jodan, and Denis Jodan has told him that Chief Mashua must go. We cannot go on like this. I may not be quoting him the button, but the long and short of it was that his conversation with the Sapa president was to the effect that Mashaba must, must leave. Okay. He's not going to be able to go forward with this team. Now, if you go to Puluwan... Let's, 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 pause, you... let's pause for a moment. We need to go to news. We're going to come back and pick up on that. And, of course, open the lines. Uh, uh, listeners want to weigh in. 891 We're talking the sporting moments uh, that stood out for you in 2016. Nomsam standing by with the latest news headlines first. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. And this morning we're talking the sporting highlights of 2016 and we've assembled a panel for you this morning to help us navigate this. Uh, Brad Brown, uh, Cass Naidu and BBK are speaking to us this morning and the lines are open 0891-104-208. Let me read some of the messages coming through. Nkosing Pilem Tunu says, I disagree with BBK. Shakes is not a good coach. Coaching is a combination of many things. Media liaison, motivation, mentoring. Shakes must go. That's simple. His arrogance is um, his downfall, and he failed to qualify us for AFCON. But lady says uh, South Africa's morale is down. It also includes our sporting national teams. Maybe 2017 will bring a better fortune. Edward Temba says at club level, Alistair Kutia had all the freedom and support at national level. I think he is being controlled. Um, uh, Free King Dalindiebo says every time Alistair is on the spot, many black sports journals jump to his defense. The man is getting paid millions. Meanwhile, what's happening? Sviso Shabalala says, those analysts are giving us excuses. Alistair Kutia is not a good coach for the Springboks. And Zandile Dubazana says, why is Alistair no longer selecting Luazim Vovo? Vovo deserves another chance like the uh, Delandes and others. And uh, also, uh, Zandile talks about her sporting highlight for the year, Serena Williams bagging her 22nd Grand Slam title. And of course, uh, that one also right up there for me, not only as a big Serena fan, but, you know, also a big fan of tennis. Lomo uh, says, I've enjoyed Steve Compella's failure. Lots of talk around uh, Steve Compella and more specifically about Steve Compella's quotes. And it's very interesting that people are now saying that they actually are more interested in the post-match interviews with Steve Compella than they are in actually watching Kaiser Chiefs play. So what are your views? 891 The panel waiting to interact. Uh, TK is calling from Pretoria. Good morning, TK. Morning, guys. Hi. Hi. Um, the, the one big thing for me is uh, the cricket squad and the management of the cricket squad. How they managed to bring young boys and how they had the courage to drop guys like Bokal, who in any other national team, that would never happen. And I would like to say big up to the, to the cricket team that they're bringing people that, are, that come from development and when they get to the, to the senior squad, they have the courage to feel them. And I would like to say big up to them, really. Well, thank you so much, uh, TK in Pretoria. And then uh, just a few others here at Steph Garrett says, as much as I would love to give it to Masandawana as a South African, I have to give it to Leicester City for their fairy tale. And of course, we're not just talking South Africa, we're talking sport in general. And uh, Mourinho and uh, the makings of a proper Manchester United side, <laughs> that tickles me no end, the makings of a proper Man United side. But anyway, um, that's just me being silly. Yunus and Joba, good morning. Yeah, hi there, Sakina. Sakina, I have a slightly different opinion, and uh, I'm surprised your guests haven't picked it up. While I'm for, the tran- well, for transformation in sport, let's take cricket for an example. You have the likes of Rabada, uh, Bavuma, and Amla. But no one tells you 
all of these people are products of private schools. My question is, how come they haven't picked up that the government hasn't made facilities available in Chiawelo, in, in, in Lenasia, in Bontiville, and people coming up from them. So while we are for transformation, this thing is only happening from, so you, you have to be from a privileged background to, to come up to, to the national squad. You know, we, we have the Ministry of Sport, which, have, which has got hundreds of millions of rands at their disposal, but they're not doing anything. Now, probably the same is uh, with rugby and, and soccer. I mean, we just had the minister now going to see the El Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona. I mean, at uh, taxpayers' expense, surely you could have uh, turfed an entire sports field in one of the townships. And until that challenge is met, then we will have true transformation. And I think I'd like your guests to respond to that. All right. Of course, transformation continuing to be a hot topic. Uh, Brad, let me start with you. Yeah, Sakina, I, I can't argue with that. I, I think government can do a lot more when it comes to, to, to particularly grassroots development. And, and, and I think if you look at, at our schooling system, and, and that's a great point, where you look at a lot of the, the young players coming through are coming from, from, from schools that have got a lot of money. And if you look at, at government schools, the, the sports programs have literally ground to a halt, and it's for, for various reasons. I, I don't just think it's uh, a, a, a sporting issue. I think it's a, a national education issue as well, where, where resources aren't being spent on, on, on coaches after schools because teachers need to be paid, and traditionally it's the teachers that are, are coaching. So I think it is a, a massive issue, and, and, and I think that it definitely does need to be looked at. It's, it's not going to get better by itself. Cass? Yeah, transformation. I love talking about it. I wish we actually had hours every day talking about it. Then we'd lose our inhibitions to have these hard conversations. Um, I do agree with you, and it's that better relations need to take place between government and the sporting codes because when that happens, you find that uh, the vision filters down to action on the ground. At the same time, let's assume that these relations aren't good. Let's look at the current system in place. The current system is that Cricket South Africa governs all cricket activities in the country. They have programs from KFC Mini Cricket up to the pro tiers. There are talent scouts at every level. There are programs in every area from grassroots to semi-professional. So my thing is, until and unless we exhaust the system and we literally have bloodied hands in trying to transform the game, we cannot try to nitpick on things that aren't even part of the equation. And I'd like to urge everyone involved in sport at every level, junior coaches, talent scouts, everybody, go out there and take your blinkers off. Don't look at success according to what you think success is. Find the success in the areas that you probably have not even been to. And if you look at the the likes of Rabada and Bavuma coming through, we cannot like them because they come from a private school background. If they weren't coming through, then we would ask the question, why aren't private schools bringing through these cricketers? So I think that in order to get the likes of Mackay and Teeny, and I believe more of those kind of stories do need to be told, and Eunice is spot on, but in order for that to happen, the system of the day needs to show that it's done all it can to transform, and I don't believe any sporting code in the country can load itself on transformation yet. PBK, what's your take? I think Eunice has a, a very valid point. And uh, I think that one of the key things that we can tackle this problem in this country is to go through the Department of Sports and Department of Education. One of the things that used to happen for those of us who were born and grew up in the township is that we knew that Wednesdays were soccer days or sports days throughout. The girls would be playing netball, the guys would be playing soccer, there would be athletics, there would be all manner of things. And... In, in going through that, there will be like circuit winners, regional winners, up to provincial, up to national. And that's where you're able to see a lot of players. And I think that in football particularly, a lot of people will know it and the when they were already chiefs and pirates, but those who were in the township following school football would have known about what the doctor used to do for a school like Taribongapur, for an example. But, but, but what, what, what we are doing now is trying to fix the problems of today using yesterday's problems. We cannot 
go through the same situation in department that look at things in, in, in through four eyes, that of black, white, colored Indian continuing in South Africa now. We need to be saying that we are going to channel these things. We can't have different ministers of education and different ministers of sports over the years talking the same thing about making sure that they speak to each other and their calendar speak to one another in terms of school sports, but nothing really filtering down in the end. And also as communities, Sakina, you will know this, uh, you, 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 one of your sons play football. The trouble that you have to go through to get them into a thing like an academy, you know, the, 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 the fact that people need to pay payola to get their children to play an opportunity to be in an academy and those kind of things. So it is a complete societal thing. We cannot be pointing a finger to one sector. We all need to put together to make sure that we give our children equal opportunities because we can send them to the best schools and everything. Not all of them are going to be professional and all of that. And there will be a chance for somebody to do well in a sport, even though you'll be giving them some kind of education. So in the end, it is not something we can continue pushing under the carpet. We cannot be talking about, no, it is not my responsibility. It is your responsibility. We've got children who can play sports in this country, and many of them have shown that given the opportunity, we can be able to do stuff. Which takes me to another young who took an opportunity after getting off the rails and bouncing back since we are talking about our uh, sporting moments. Look where Manuel Take a pause there. Rise. Yeah. Rise and rise Absolutely. again. And, and, and show and show that the ghetto is not confining you to, to the end of the world. You may come from a squad. You, you may not even know where your next meal is going to come from. You discover along the way that you are a great a long jumper or triple jumper, you, you, you get people who are willing to assist you, but if you are still uh, drowning in the decadence of drugs, you are going to, to relapse and all of that, but when you pull yourself out of that and you go to Rio Brazil and you get an administrator like Gideon Sam, let us hit these administrators when they are messing up Sakina, but also let us give them kudos when they are doing well. Who commits? Who commits that if, if it means sleeping with Lugo Manu, I am going to do so to make sure that he focuses and he goes to Rio and he does what he did? I say rise, black child, rise, South African child, take the opportunities given to you, and against all odds, go up there, like Mamelodi Sundowns did as well in football. Mm. And I think we shouldn't be uh, scared to get our hands dirty and bloody because there are yes. deeply entrenched systemic issues that are holding for us sure. back. And, and, and for some reason, we, we, we do not seem to have the appetite to really get to the bottom of it. And it's an old sporting codes. I mean, you, uh, as you rightly know, BBK, about the football issues that I've had to contend with, when you speak about mm. people at LFAs uh, who have been there for 20 odd years and you're wondering mm-hmm. hold on when is this going to change and they do the same things over and over and over again and these are issues that need to be tackled head on but let's go back to the lines uh jonathan good morning hello jonathan hello hi oh no i'm not jonathan i'm mike from Middlebeck. oh welcome oh, mike yeah, no, thank you, thank you so much. I'm calling from the territory of Happy Chile. <laughs> <laughs> claim it, claim it. <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, we, we even uh, took a council resolution, you know, to rally behind Orlando Pirates because of Happy Chile. So when you, <laughs> when you land here, you must know that this is a territory of Happy Chile. Yes? Yeah, but on, on, on you took a council team. resolution to rally behind Orlando Pirates. <laughs> oh, yes, you? yes. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? We there, are in there trouble. Will, there will be a mayoral cup games and um, happy jelly uh, together with other guys uh, from the PSL are fully behind, you know. Uh, but on a serious note, uh, Sakina, I think um, as you talk sport in general, I think... Um, uh, pirates and chiefs must really pull up their socks. Uh, uh, with regard to chiefs, I think they are fine with Skip Compella. Um, uh, he will get his act together going forward. He must just be reinforced oh, when? At, at the level of technical uh, team. No, he, he is coming well. Uh, <laughs> you must just no, 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 Mike, you are a pirate supporter. You cannot speak for us. Amakosi, uh, please, you can't speak for us. No, no, Mike. And and, and no, you see, on the issue of Steve, as a chief supporter, during his yes. first season, I reserved my comment. I was willing to give him the time and the space to okay. do what he needed to do to play himself in. But now, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not so sure anymore. He, he, he must just be reinforced, you know, at the level of technical, um, you know, team that is supporting him. I think... Uh, 
you will uh, you, you you will see going forward Sakina like he's going to turn the corner uh, he's a motivator that guy and um, <laughs> I think he has a vision let's let's give him a chance let's give him I a love chance. how all the pirate supporters <laughs> are willing us on to give Steve but, but, a chance but, and the Steve yeah, supporters but, but, are but, saying can we be unsteved we- please <laughs> 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 but with pirates, uh, seriously, um, I want to appeal to Ion Duke to bring back uh, Rudy Kroll. Uh, he understands pirates. He has achieved so much. Uh, just like a Chiefs, I think uh, if he comes back, he must be reinforced at the level of technical uh, team. And um, he's going to achieve. I want pirates and Chiefs really to go back to where they belong because these two teams are national key points, I think. Are they? Yo, yes, they <laughs> yes, heroes. Anyway, thank you so much, Mike in Middleburg. Uh, Jonathan, good morning to you. Good morning, Sakina. I hope you have a good Christmas this year. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, I just want to agree with Mike on one thing only, ever on this radio station, is that I am also a supporter of pirates. <laughs> <laughs> At least you found some common ground. <laughs> Sakina... Do you, do you know what stresses me out to no end? When when anything is mentioned in this country, white, white um, is like a dirty word on this radio station. Everything is anti-white. Everything is transformation. Now, let me just tell you something very um, uh, uh, hack in hand. Transformation is actually destroying this country because we are putting people in power just because they are black and they are not sufficiently trained. And we are going down the Zimbabwe road. We must have, I am all for transformation, but we must have people that are trained properly, that can be fair. Whether you're black, white, Indian, colored, it must be fair. It mustn't be just because you are black, and that unfortunately is happening in this country. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Jonathan. Brad, you can respond. Yeah, I was going to ask Kino if I, uh, Kino, if I, if I could. I, I, that for me is one of the big issues. That just because the word transformation comes up does not necessarily make it anti-white. And I think we need to we need to get over that mindset straight up because that's not what it is. As a sports fan, and, and I'm sure that comment was across the board. It wasn't just it wasn't just aimed at sport. But as a sports fan and a South African, I am proudly South African. I don't care who's on that field. I just want to win. That's what it boils down to. If, it's, if, if there are 11 African players in the Proteus and we win the World Cup, I am going to be the happiest person on the planet. I don't care. And, and I understand the, 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 the issues of the past that uh, people haven't been given opportunities and the time has come where people have to be given those opportunities. And, and I think that is one of, the biggest, one of the biggest things we have to get over is, is looking at transformation as a white person and thinking just because we're talking transformation as anti-white, that is not the case. BBK, let's talk about uh, Orlando Pirates, Kaiser Chiefs and uh, the glory years that seem to have been forgotten in Soweto. Before we run out of time, let us acknowledge that that needs to be praised. Mamelo the Sundowns are African champions. I hear the people that you're talking about. They're African champions. They are the first team from South Africa, from Southern Africa to go and represent the continent at the FIFA World Club. uh, uh, Cup. Uh, We we must uh, lord Peter Musuman, and I will tell you why. When he got his contract at Mamelo Sundowns, he got a job where a coach leaves with his suitcase, not even by the door. He takes it to training with him. But this was happened when he got Mamelo Sundowns. The one thing that he craved was to see his Sundowns conquer Africa. He went all over the world to Bulgaria to get a very temper- temperamental uh, resource. Uh, he, he went to Holland and got uh, Johan Neskins. He got this chain-smoking Henry Mitchell from France. All of them failed to deliver even a league trophy, let alone uh, the Holy Grail. Peter Mosimani comes in his first season. Some sections of Phantom supporters were paying for his blood, wanting him to leave. And then what did he do in the second season? He delivered the league trophy, which Sundowns had not won in donkey's years, plus a tro- uh, another cup. And then Baxter took over the following season and then Peter reclaimed it back and doing so breaking records. So that which is South African 
must be celebrated in the sense that Emos Mane, who has always told everyone who cared to listen that he believes is the Jose Mourinho of Africa, in this instance, I think that Jose Mourinho wishes to be a Peter Mosiman of Europe when you look at the fortunes of the two coaches. Chiefs and Pirates, reputation counts for nothing. History alone counts for nothing. It means the moment. What did you do now? What are you doing now? As Steve comes in the Kaiser Chiefs, a club where the chairman of Chiefs had said previously that he doesn't think that any South African is ready to coach uh, Randa Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs, and Steve gets given this chance. In the first season, he reaches the final of the MTN, he loses to Ajax, he gets to the final of the Telcom knockout, loses also uh, to Sundowns. That alone tells you that Steve comes from a Dynamos, comes from a Maritzburg United, from all the other so-called small team, and he gets this huge leap, and Mutaung gives him the fate that is conferred on him, and he was not able to give Chiefs something to celebrate last season. It has gone worse this season, because there's been no cup final appearance, mm-hmm. there's been early elimination, and they are losing to teams that previously would have thought that Kaiser Chiefs don't necessarily have to just show up in the pitch, but you would have known that it is a 70-30 chance of Chiefs winning that game. But over and above that, it is also in the manner of how the team is playing. Chiefs are not playing like a Chiefs will send Shivas down the spines of the opposition anymore. And you can look at two things when it comes to that. Is the personnel there at Kaiser Chiefs? There will be a school of thought that says a coach must be able to work with the tools that he has. And a quick example will be maybe a year and club if I were to go to Liverpool, who takes over in October last year from Brendan Rodgers, uses the same players that Rodgers could not get anything out, and he goes on to reach a League Cup final. He loses to Manchester City and goes on to reach also the Europa League final. I think he lost to Sevilla, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So there is a combination of factors that says has Chiefs been able to refresh their squads? And you look at why Pakistan left the team. He had a list of players that he wanted to bring in. And the club could not agree with him in terms of bringing all those players. And in the end, they had to part ways in inverted commas amicably. And what is going on the Chiefs now? What could have happened even with Pakistan being in charge? And people would have turned against him. Pirates, there's got to be a time when players really stand up and raise their hands and say, I want to be counted. Pirates are celebrating their 80th anniversary this year, but there's been nothing, nothing in terms of play from the players themselves that suggests that they comprehend what that means in the manner that the group of players who were there at the club when they were celebrating the 75th conducted themselves. This team of Pirates right now, you find a situation where players have just lost the game, you look at their faces, you don't see anything that suggests that, oh, I've left down a number of people. Sport is a, is a nirvana. It takes people away from their usual troubles of unemployment, of the difficulties of all the problems that are going through in the country. If your team wins, you, you, say, you at least take that thing away. And on, on reputation, uh, on, on, on past records and all of that, they are not going to move forward. And something drastic needs to happen, especially, especially at Kaiserschitz. Uh, let's hear from Bukhosi and Santon. Good morning. Yes, my Sakina. Welcome. Yeah, man. Uh, Sakina, I am still in mourning the demise of the mighty Morocco Swallows. I came a long way with them when the goalkeeper was still a guy known as Aldi Hookies. Guys like Pata Pata. Guys like uh, 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 Spigitin Ngobo. Those were the days, Sakina, I haven't recovered yet. I'm just pinning my hope on Arsenal. And that's all I can say, Sakina. I'm devastated. As a fellow gooner, I can only laugh at this point. You find that hilarious, Sakina. No, it's it's painful. I have to laugh to keep from crying at this point. Absolutely. Because I'm with you on Arsenal. I'm laughing because I don't want to cry. But, you know, um, let's talk about that. And also, I want to throw in Keith's uh, um, tweet here, Keith uh, Dinabantu, who says, it would be a shame if we forget about Brad Bender. And, of course, he's a feat this year. Um, I haven't spoken to Cass in a moment. Yes, Cass? I think Brad definitely... It's because it's a, a sporting code that most South Africans probably are not aware of, but what he's achieved is it's so phenomenal, and it's great to see how the media has lauded him around the country, and he was also nominated for an SA Sport Award. For me, the biggest winner of 2016 from a South African sports perspective has been Caster Semenya. 
I don't believe another sportsman or woman has had to undergo what she has gone through. She's had to be escorted by security at Rio to try to go out there and represent her country with pride. She didn't come back with excuses. She came back with a gold medal. She's not just a South African sports star of the year. She's a South African of the year. She's transcended everything that has come her way and has become a better person. You remember seven years ago, that entire shambles in 2009 almost destroyed her. She's come full circle, and along with her, Sinek Yun, Ilse Hayes, Andrene Liebenberg, the border women's rugby team, um, the South African Hockey uh, Association for getting a Premier League going. Women's sport is on the rise. That's and I'm hoping in 2017, when we get to chat again, we're talking about great strides we've made. Absolutely. Uh, Brad? Yeah, I agree with, with Kaz. <laughs> uh, I mean, Casa Semenya is just, she's matured into this incredible a woman and, and so strong. It, it's great to see. I think my sporting highlights, and there's so many, I just love the Olympics. So it has to be an Olympic moment. And I think you started the, the, show, the show with it. Wade Winnicat, 400 meters blind. Uh, and, and just smashing that, that world record was, for me, the South African performance of the year. And then, of course, BBK. Cast uh, and, uh, and bread, they've taken it away from me. Casta, casta, casta. But then again, wh- wh- when you look at the mental fortitude of Casta Semenya, how strong mentally she is, how she took everything in a stride, how she went down to, to, to the lowest, lowest and, and, and rose, like the provincial Phoenix, to do what she did uh, in Rio, it tells you that there are great things uh, to come uh, from Casta going forward. But I think also uh, Brandon Stone uh, winning the SA Open Championship in doing so, becoming the youngest ever winner, uh, and also adding the cherry on top and winning the Alfred Dunhill was one of the greatest moments uh, in golf. And I think that uh, it is important also to make sure that we we treasure uh, what we have in a way for Nicker. I mean, going out there to, to, to break a record, 43.03, a record that had stood for, what, 17 years, Michael Johnson, and, and still be the same person that he was when you knew him before the whole world took up to wait for Nicker. That is something to, to be celebrated. And Danny Arms, of course. Uh, winning the coach of the year. I mean, it's 74, uh, being so lively, being a spring chicken that she is. She looks and it's nothing like 16. Uh, to, to be able to deliver a world champion in the manner that she did, that was fantastic. Fiarello Sinatra also, IRP Rugby 7 Player of the Year. That was something great. Brett Binder, my colleagues have spoken about him becoming the Moto3 world champion, mm. the first South African to, to get the accolade. But before we forget, I think just last week, they called him the troublemaker. They call him the Black Prince. I'm talking here of the person of Uto Moson, mm. uh, getting those two honorary doctorates, I think, from the UAE and Dubai as well. That speaks to the measure of the man. That speaks to the more than, what, 50 decades he's invested in his life in football. And being able to be honored in a manner like that is something that says, continue to man being the one who finds the raft dynamons and polishing them and giving them up to a chief and pirate and everybody else. Because, you know, in this country at some stage, there was not a single team that did not have a player who has been the product of Jomo Cosmos. And also, people will forget that uh, when Orlando Pirates went on to win in 1995, uh, many of the players that come from a Jomo Cosmos that had lost in the semifinals of uh, the Cup Winners' Cup, and then also those players contributed in helping the country to bring the Nations' Cup uh, to the country. You may see that there are people who are eating discovered by Chomosono, people must have been one of them uh, who have uh, taken part uh, in what Sundance has been able to achieve. So I would like to do that and honor uh, Chomosono and congratulate him on, on these uh, two honorable clicks that he received last week. Well, thanks to all of you for helping us uh, relive all of those uh, sporting highlights of the year. Uh, Brad Brown, Cass Naidu, and Bareng Batu Kortias, better known as BBK. And of course, to our listeners and the production team. It is now just after nine o'clock. Time for the latest news with Nomsam Duli.